0: Welcome to the Innovation and Government show sponsored by Carasoft. Each month, we'll talk with industry experts who enable innovation and make government more responsive and secure by advancing key technologies. Now, here's your host, Jason Miller. Welcome to the show. My guest is Cameron Sherry, the Chief Operating Officer, the Chief Technology Officer, and Vice President of Dell EMC Federal. Cameron, welcome to the program.
1: Thank you. Good morning. Pleasure to be here, Jason.
0: Our discussion today focuses on federal government's IT modernization effort. And before we get started, let me set a little context for our discussion. The momentum to help get government off legacy IT systems is definitely growing. First, we know Congressman Will Hurd's Modernizing Government Technology, or MGT Act, passed the House just earlier in May. Then President Donald Trump includes in his fiscal 2018 budget request $228 million to create a central IT modernization fund and details how agencies would apply for that seed money. Now, these are several efforts coming together all at once to really create this perfect opportunity for agencies to finally and more permanently swing the spending pendulum away from operations and maintenance, or O&M, and toward development, modernization, and enhancement, or DME. Now, the most recent data from OMB shows agencies spending about 70% of their funding on O&M. That's up from 68% about a year ago. So the pendulum obviously swinging the wrong way bad sign and and part of the reason why so many experts in and out of government believe the MGT act is so necessary. So with that context in place, let's turn to Cameron Sherry, the Chief Operating Officer, the Chief Technology Officer and Vice President Dell EMC Federal. Now Cameron, I brought up the fact that MGT is working its way through this is, uh, without a doubt, critical to the government's modernization efforts. Tell me why, from your perspective, it's critical.
1: You know, when you look at this act, all good things require a little bit of investment or seed funding to be able to get started and jumpstart or accelerate where you can these types of efforts, especially with modernization. Not all things require a significant amount of money at all times, but you do need to be able to seed the innovation projects, the innovation ideas of these different agencies. So having this type of uh, capital funding or funding available for these agencies really does help accelerate the strategies for these innovations and uh, modernization strategies across all the federal government. Now, one
0: thing that comes up time and again is and let's pick on first the $228 million. In the MGT sure. Act, they ask, they authorize, keyword there, $250 yeah. million. And, of course, whether or not the appropriators follow the authorizations, a whole different discussion we could have. Not a lot of money. From your perspective when it comes to the seed money, when you talk to agencies, when you work with clients, are, is that really what's stopping them going, oh, if we only had – Three million, five million more dollars that
1: could get us over the hump. Money is always one aspect when you look at government programs. Other aspects are risk. So, looking at modernized technology and how people can move to things like cloud or next generation applications, uh, there's a risk associated with that because there's got to be continuity in all of these missions, whether you're in the civilian government, Department of Defense, or the intelligence community. So, risk does play a factor, and that has caused a lot of agencies to pause. But if you look at agencies that are willing to take that risk and take more bolder actions like our FCC, there really is some great opportunity. Dr. David Bray's done some amazing things to really drive cultural change and begin to accelerate what they're doing from a modernization perspective. And you know, the proof's in the pudding. They're really starting to accelerate what they're doing at the FCC. Um, so without funding, they still did it. So changing the cultural dynamic and balancing that with risk.
0: And that's the other piece of the MGT Act, because if you don't get the seed funding from the central fund, you can still figure out how to, fund modernization going forward. And that's a key piece, too, in, in terms of the working capital funds, which, you know, I've reported on this recently that the Senate appropriators aren't, aren't big fans of working capital funds sometimes. <laughs> right. But um, but at the same time, I think you bring up FCC as a great example. They were able to save money and then use that mm-hmm. money for future things. Do you see also that starting to pick up, that that concept people get their head around? It's not quite there yet.
1: We do. It's uh, When you look at what's happening at the grassroots level, When we talk about digital transformation or IT modernization that underpins that, uh, a lot of people at the grassroots level across all agencies, all departments of the Department of Defense, uh, really are starting to embrace these different agents that are available to them, things like cloud computing, increasing the cyber posture so that we can harden the attack surface that's out there. What we need is more structure right, more structure to the formal programs, the programs of record that do require funding and gain the attention of the policymakers to be able to really start to hyper-accelerate.
0: Part of that challenge that you're talking about of gaining that structure and formal programs, it comes back to, I think, an interesting topic, data center consolidation, modernization, optimization. This has been a, a priority for the Office of Management budget for the last five, seven years. It seems like probably a little bit longer. Uh, there was a recent uh, Government Accountability Office report that said agencies still are from their measurements falling behind. Talk about the link between IT modernization and data center modernization and optimization.
1: There is connective tissue between the two strategies and the two efforts. What we're beginning to find, especially when you start to look at DCOI as a strategy, as all things, you know, there becomes a law of unintended consequence. So with digital transformation, if you want to move to a cloud, you can move to an off-premise cloud if you prefer. What we're really starting to see in the agencies is because of current law and legislation, security policy and practice, there are some workloads that can't be moved into an off-premise cloud setting, but they still want to gain the advantage of cloud. So that's where DCOI comes in. Some of the metrics that are used to measure agencies' efficiencies in that practice of the optimization component actually are counterintuitive. Because if you run an efficient data center that's got high density and a cloud native type of strategy in it, you are exponentially going to increase some of the metrics that you're being measured against. So it's a touch counterintuitive with the scorecards and the way DCOI is working today. So I think we need to redress both of them in concert to, so that there is proper linkage so that we achieve the consolidation the government's looking for, but reward the agencies that are moving in that hybrid direction and doing the right things.
0: All right, so I'm going to pull on the string a little bit because I'm really interested to to, to expand on this idea that the counterintuitive point. When you talk about some of the metrics, so as you push more into your data center, the cost per therm or whatever, measuring the the, the electricity cost, if you will, is that what you're talking
1: about? That's the counterintuitive point? That's exactly correct. So although you are getting more density and you are gaining more efficiency by consolidating and putting more assets into a consolidated location – Some of the counterintuitive things, without getting too technically deep on you, when we measure things like PUE, which is a common practice for measuring data center efficiency, um, some of these can be counterproductive because your PUE counts can go up. You can be running a more efficient data center because you have more capacity, more density, and you're gaining more efficiency out of the data center but also the workforce itself. So we just need to make sure we align the metrics properly so that, again, agencies get rewarded rather than than the risk side.
0: There's a recent survey, I don't remember who did it, but they were talking about hybrid cloud and, and this move to the hybrid environment. Are you guys seeing that, the, that, as you described, there's certain workloads, certain security risks that agencies aren't willing to take? Is the hybrid really where the government's going?
1: We do see that, you know, as all things in government programs, there is the chatter in Washington and what's happening. And there's the practical reality of how customers are really adopting it. We are seeing significant demand signals for hybrid cloud, which really, by its definition, is hybrid with an on-premise capability. What we're finding in the practice of cloud, and it's really a science problem more than anything else, as you consolidate into these massive cloud service providers and these data centers in certain geographic points, the network becomes the constraining factor. So performance becomes a risk, right? Right telecommunications companies can only put so much in the ground so fast to be able to deal with the data and bandwidth explosion that comes with cloud-native applications, fourth-generation apps. To address that or counterbalance it, what we are seeing is people are getting into this edge or fog computing strategy where you're pushing the same type of efficiency of cloud and using cloud nodes, but you're pushing those out to the tactical edge. And this is affording a lot of our government customers' a balanced strategy to risk. It's actually lowering the risk for them so that they can gain the efficiency of cloud, gain the efficiency of modernization, as well as how a service provider hardens their infrastructure, but they gain that benefit on-premise.
0: And just so let's bring it down one more level because I want to make sure uh, the listeners understand what's going on here. You talk about this being a science problem, this idea that the network becomes a constraining factor. So as they're pushing to the edge, meaning they're putting the cloud infrastructure to the edge or or explain in a little bit more detail?
1: Sure thing. Back in the 90s, when we looked at content networks or content data networks or CDNs, the strategy there was push the content and the data to the user to enrich the user experience. What we're finding in the age of cloud is the same principle. Now that cloud is maturing, as far as its adoption in the government, what we're beginning to see is as you bring users on, that same strategy still applies. So in order to enrich the mission user and the experience that mission user has, pushing the data and the content to the user, but having a centrally managed practice, you gain a balanced approach to efficiency.
0: That's helpful because the idea of it's all about the data, which is something I think we've been talking about now for a decade, where it's instead of it being about the network or instead of it being about the you know device you're on, it's can you access your data? And and that's what to me, that's what you're describing is is ensuring whether it's a citizen or whether it's a government employee doing their mission or whether it's a contractor that they can say, I can get to that data so I can make a decision. Is, is that's, that right?
1: you're, you're spot on, Jason. I mean that's really what we're talking about here. At the end of the day, value in the enterprise for our government is not created by the different discrete parts. It's the sum of what those parts offer and that really is Information, and if you look at the intelligence community, it's a great analog, information with context gives you knowledge. And that knowledge allows missions to be able to prosecute effectively or for better constituent services so that we can focus and tailor where tax dollars are targeted and spent.
0: The other piece of this is we talked about tax dollars, spent and limited budgets, and we know uh, that agencies are facing tougher budgets. I, I think I looked at the, the t- budget request for 2018, and 14 of the 24 cabinet-level agencies are, are going to see decreases or flat IT budgets. How do you become innovative in this time of flat or decreasing budgets?
1: So there's really two fundamental ingredients to be able to contend with that. Modernized technology, because that technology gains you more capacity and efficiency, And then really looking and exploring new business models. So rather than always looking at capital to go buy IT equipment and integration that would uh, we would traditionally do on government programs, being able to buy things in an as a service format or in an annuity based format really is one of the more pioneering aspects of innovation so far. That's that's really driving digital transformation for our government customers.
0: And it's interesting when you bring up as a service. uh, I went to a recent conference and they talked to a whole session of as a service. And there's definitely a growing acceptance that, for instance, financial management as a service or HR as a service, I think you're starting to see some momentum toward there when you talk to your clients and and when you go meet with federal agencies, are they do they grasp what that concept is? I mean, we get it from a electricity perspective, but it's different when it becomes work and cloud and and all the other pieces and parts.
1: Yeah, great example. They struggle and they struggle for good reason because being able to apply the how and when really it can be challenging when you're offered options. I would also offer you that, you know, over the last five to seven years, we've seen the demographic of our government civil servants change, right? We've had a lot of people retire. Uh, They didn't want to work with another administration change. You know, these things go or they've reached their retirement point. So being able to mentor the newer generation that have these new ideas is extremely important. It is a very different acquisition strategy to be able to apply as a service models, were the annuity-based models. So adjusting agencies' procurement strategies to deal with the fact that you can purchase this under the FAR and you can do it in a compliant manner, but it does require more complexity and it requires, without question, integration between the mission, partner, and acquisition. It doesn't work unless you have that.
0: And there's been a lot of discussion about Agile. I know we could do a whole thing of DevOps because this is what really you're talking about in some ways is this move to Agile, this idea of, buying in this piece parts where you're not just buying well i need 50 servers i need them all now versus i need access to potentially 50 servers through the year but as i buy one i want to pay x when i buy 10 i want to pay y and so on and so forth. And, and I think right. this whole change is, is happening at once. And I think that's why agencies maybe, especially the procurement folks and the IT folks, are feeling a little, my world's changing, like my cheese is being moved.
1: That's exactly right. You're, you're exactly right. And we're at the forefront of a lot of those. If you look at some of the brilliant technology we have in our portfolio with Pivotal Cloud Foundry and a lot of the capability there, we really have moved the needle. We, we're experiencing something we haven't experienced in a generation, and that's a leapfrog moment. Right, we've been war fighting for the last 15 plus years. And so as a result of that, we build what we need to support the mission to bring good Americans home alive. At the end of the day though, it does push other things aside. Now we're afforded an opportunity as we start to focus more on dropping the kinetic action and moving to more of an intelligence mission. We have an opportunity to really leapfrog in innovation and bring these models to bear, such as Agile and DevOps and these as a service models.
0: That's a perfect time to take a break. You're listening to the Innovation in Government, sponsored by Carisoft and federalnewsradio.com and 1500 AM.
1: Dell EMC Federal enables government agencies to modernize, automate, and transform their data center using industry-leading converged infrastructure, servers, storage, and data protection technologies. This provides a trusted foundation for agencies to transform IT, serve constituents, and meet the mission. Dell EMC offers the industry's broadest, most innovative infrastructure portfolio from edge to core to cloud so you can transform for the future. Learn more. Visit DellEMC.com slash federal. Tune in on Tuesdays at 10.30 a.m. and 2.30 p.m. for the Innovation in Government show, sponsored by Carasoft and its partners. Learn from industry experts who enable innovation and make government more responsive and secure by advancing technologies. Innovation in Government examines a wide range of topics and evaluates their payoff. Cybersecurity, big data, cloud computing, and more. Innovation in Government, Tuesdays at 10.30 a.m. and 2.30 p.m. on federalnewsradio.com and 1500 a.m. Search keyword innovation.
0: Welcome back. You're listening to the Innovation and Government Show, sponsored by Carisoft on federalnewsradio.com and 1500 AM. I'm Jason Miller. My guest is Cameron Cherry, the Chief Operating Officer, Chief Technology Officer, and Vice President of Dell EMC Federal. Now, Cameron, before break, we were talking about changes to the government models whether it's acquisition model or technology model we talked about agile a little bit we talked about this idea of innovation and where innovation comes from let's pull back from innovation for a second and what's happening today when when, as agencies are trying to move toward this digital this it
1: modernization what are they telling you what do they need now you know it's always fun to talk about the ethereal things and we talk about innovation in a very nebulous way, but we also have to live in today, right? Live in reality. A lot of agencies today, some of them get it. There's a cloud-first strategy. They want to move to the cloud, but when they start to peel that strategy back, they get the, what do I do first conundrum. What I would offer you is what we really need to be looking at is the application portfolio itself. It's the rationalization of those apps. Because what I typically like to tell people is let's keep this very focused and very simple. The mission meets technology right at the application level. That's really where they meet. So when you get to use capabilities like we have, like with Adaptivity as an example, to come in and look at the portfolio assessment, understand what applications are across the enterprise, their maturity, whether they're legacy, are they ripe to move to maybe a digital format or a new cloud format, or do they need to be rewritten altogether? Um, That really is the first step, is to get your hands around the entire application portfolio. Through that exercise or that effort, that to make it instantly accretive to agencies, they can begin to cherry pick very small uh, targets of opportunity that get them very, very quick wins. As I mentioned in the earlier segment uh, with our Pivotal capability and Pivotal Cloud Foundry, there are some brilliant wins where we're modernizing applications literally in a quarter. We're doing it in 30 or 60 or 90 day increments. Uh, with full ATOs, which are authorizations to operate the applications on the networks, in as little as 120 days in some instances. And it's all because of being able to leverage what's built into the innovative capability of the technology itself and then just embracing small incremental steps once they have visibility of their entire application portfolio.
0: Generally speaking, agencies are not just now moving to the cloud. I mean, right. they've been doing this for the last six, seven years. But at the same time, the application rationalization seems to be something that's that's forever ongoing. From your perspective, what are you seeing from agencies? Have they started down that process of application rationalization? They haven't really. They're well down the path. And each agency is different, but generally sure. speaking.
1: Yeah, generally speaking, I find them in varying levels of maturity, unfortunately. Some do have their, their arms around it. Some don't. And I think it also depends on the breadth and depth of the agency, right? Not all agencies are built of the same size. So that does come into play. What's also recently begun to help or begin to help some of these agencies really is uh, a lot of the great work that Congressman Heard and the rest of the the policymakers did around Fatara, right? Empowering the CIO so that the CIO has full visibility of the enterprise, full visibility of budget. That helps them get key leading indicators into where the money's being spent to try and bring that portfolio together in a common view that we'd normally expect to see out of, say, commercial or private sector customers.
0: And you can even tag back even earlier than Fatara. And someone brought this up to me just recently when we were talking about the cyber attack WannaCry. And that, that's, a, again, I won't go into too many details. But back in 2012 and 2013, when OMB started with the portfolio stat effort, right that brought agencies around this idea of okay, what do we have that we need to get rid of? what's the biggest risk and how do we manage the portfolio And I think applications are, are part of the portfolio. I mean right. I, I, I imagine you're when you talk to agencies, they come in and go, hopefully we know what our inventory is now where do we start?
1: That's exactly right And all of these are incremental steps. you know a lot of people at times don't fully appreciate the complexity of our government and the environment that they all have to work within and try and successfully execute a mission. It really is complex. I wouldn't go as far as, say, bureaucracy. I think there's good and bad tension in the system to be able to do this effectively. But each of these incremental steps are just great significant steps forward to really drive modernization.
0: Do you find agencies understand that they just can't lift and shift most applications into the cloud or into some kind of shared resource data center, that they have to relook at that application, either modernize it? Rework it, or get the latest version from the vendor, <laughs> or do people get that? Because I think the lift and shift is the biggest concern. Because you're not changing your process, you're not. All you're doing is moving from data center one to data center two. So are you really saving any money?
1: Have you done this yourself, Jason? Because that's a spot on question. I've never lifted or shifted anything. <laughs> I have a bad back,
0: and but but you, you, I understand the, diff, the, the, yeah. the difficulties, right?
1: So what you're describing are the lessons learned that the agencies have come to uh, to recognize over the last several years that the lift and shift without changing your IT structure and department to shift from these silos of excellence to more services or service management's the the first real lesson. But the other real lesson is in the lift and shift is not all clouds are the same. So you don't get the same access to your data. Some of them can be exponentially more expensive, not less expensive and not give you the agility you need. And we're starting to see a shift where agencies are actually bringing things back in house because of the troubles that have plagued them with things like data leaks were data spills, right, because they didn't change their governance or the way they manage their data infrastructure. So you're absolutely correct. A lot of the lessons learned we've seen from this, the, the cloud-first strategy really is now pulling agencies back to a more balanced approach.
0: You bring up cloud a couple of times, and we've talked to, about cloud-first. Agencies are starting definitely down the path, but how do you go from here? Meaning, okay, we, we know we have to move to the cloud. We know that there are things like app. Application, like application rationalization we have to be aware of. What's the next set of steps are you seeing that a lot of agencies should should start thinking about?
1: Cybersecurity is always going to be the next logical step here. Everyone uses the tagline security built in, not bolted on. But to really embody that and leverage that when you're underscoring moving to a cloud type of format really is the the primary imperative. Moving to cloud is more than just lifting and shifting an application. It really is a change of operational model for these agencies and being able to do it safely. The industry is really redefining cloud. You know, When we talk about cloud, everyone expects, I'm going to go to a public provider. And that's simply just not the case today. Uh, when you look at some of the great things that are going on with hybrid and then on-premise, I would offer you a very provocative comment. Cloud is really dead. What cloud is is modern engineering. It is what we should be doing, subscribing to this microservices and API-driven economy.
0: A lot of uh, your competitors just let a big big sigh of relief. Oh, good. Dell EMC believes cloud is, cloud is dead. <laughs> But really, what, what you're talking about and, and is this the next step is the microservices, which goes back to the as-a-service also discussion. Hey, I don't need the entire service. I need this piece of the service, hence micro. Is that the next
1: place that the agencies are heading to, or they should at least be thinking about heading toward? Absolutely. And that is the benefit and value in the rise of a hybrid cloud environment. So cloud is part of the new vernacular. You know, I say cloud's dead in, in jest, right? But at the end of the day, the definition of cloud has really, really changed. And it really is about your engineering strategy, how you build applications, these these fourth-generation applications that are really driving digital transformation of the next industrial revolution. So really redefining that in a hybrid manner is the key to move forward for these agencies. Cameron,
0: we're... Just about out of time, this has been a fascinating conversation, but I wanted to talk a little bit more about the, the coming, when you look in the future. When you talk about IT modernization, digital transformation, where do you see, if, if we have this conversation again in a year from now or three years from now, where is the government going to be?
1: So I definitely think the government's going to be better off than where we are today. And uh, I, I'd like to feel fortunate with the perch that I get to have with Dell EMC, uh, you know, working for one of the last uh, founder CEOs who's, who's a real visionary in the industry I would offer you that what we see here is digital transformation is only gonna accelerate. Being able to leverage capabilities, uh, like I've talked about before, say with Pivotal and all these other um, opportunities within the innovation portfolio to drive the application uh, space forward, we're really gonna see an acceleration in application modernization, IT transformation, the transformation of the workforce, and really cyber transformation. Uh, What we're beginning to really see is uh, people are understanding how important cyber is to really build in as part of your uh, core fabric or DNA and your strategy. And we think those three uh, transformations that underpin everything with digital, you're going to see an acceleration in the federal segment. It'll start more with missions that have tactical needs, uh, mostly like in the DOD or intelligence community. Civilian government's doing a great job, but if you look at them, they have tactical needs as well. You look at uh, people who have to do farm soil samples, as an example, for the USDA. Being able to understand that our workforce is embedded in the mission and that we have to bring the digital technology to them is what's causing the acceleration.
0: And then we have the mov- movement in Congress as well. We started the conversations off talking about the MGT Act from Congresswoman Will Heard. We know it's in the Senate. Uh, do you get a sense that the Senate's going to approve this? Uh, do you get a sense that the appropriators are going to get on board? I know you're not a lobbyist, right. but but you've been around long enough to understand that the way this this uh, city works a little bit.
1: So here's what I'd offer you, Jason. We're hopeful. We're very hopeful. I'm always encouraged because at the end of the day, our system works, and it works really well. What I would tell you drives my encouragement or my optimism in this space is the alignment. We have alignment from the top of government to the policymakers, to the people that actually execute mission at the agency levels. And that alignment is important, as you know. You've got to get everyone on the same page to really drive forward. Now backing that with an alignment and how to fund and how to start looking at taking advantage of these innovation models, both with business models and technology, that's what drives my encouragement.
0: And even if MGT Act doesn't pass, and I know people maybe don't want to talk about it yet because it's so early in the process, there are plenty of things agencies can do and are doing to modernize. And and while the seed money would be nice and having a working capital fund would make life easier, uh, I'm sure Dell, EMC, and, and a lot of your partners will look at you know, going to agencies and say, yeah, but you don't need to be zero. I mean, you can start, you can start moving forward now. OMB is pushing that in terms of they have a draft policy about what things can be done. Do you foresee that the modernization effort should the MGT not pass? Will this will, will it slow down anymore, or will it just take longer? And I think there's a difference there.
1: Yeah. So you know, I always forget the saying, but you know, invention's the mother of all necessity, right? So at the end of the day, the grassroots effort, because the mission has to carry forward, uh, the outcome of MGT to be able to be passed would be great, because it'd always be positive to be able to accelerate using funding. But I think what you're going to find is the grassroots effort, it's already there.
0: And when you look at what the Trump administration is, is pushing through their government reorganization, restructuring effort, the move to, to cloud, I think the words were strongly encouraged use of cloud, uh, shared services, and, and some of the other pieces and parts that's been in the reorg memo. And, and once we get a federal CIO named, I think all those pieces will start to come together. So, again, whether or not MGT Act becomes law, I think that you're right. The momentum is definitely there.
1: Yeah, they'll continue the great work that Tony Scott started and uh, you know Margie Graves in the acting position now. We we certainly hope that that's a carry forward. They're both two brilliant individuals that have really helped us and helped our government transform.
0: Cameron Cherry, thank you very much. This has been a great conversation. Unfortunately, that's all the time we have today. Like, Thank my guest. Cameron Cherry is the chief operating officer, chief technology officer, and vice president of Dell EMC Federal. Cameron, thanks for your time today.
1: Thank you so much, This yes. It was a pleasure. Thank you
0: for listening to the Innovation and in Government show sponsored by Carasoft on Federal News Radio 1500 AM and federalnewsradio.com. The entire discussion can be found on demand at federalnewsradio.com, keyword innovation.